You are listening to Behind the Pulpit Podcast, episode 15. What about my body? Welcome to Behind the Pulpit Podcast. From sunny San Diego, California, this is Tim Lucas. And as always, with me today from Granbury, Texas, our world-famous in-house evangelist extraordinaire, Nigel Ali. How's it going, Nigel? Hey, man. It's going great. How are you all doing? And from our studio in Portland, Oregon, our research expert, Ryan Goff. How's Portland, Ryan? Oh, sorry. Sorry, I was busy researching. It's going great here. (laughs) Sunny, sunny weather. It's beautiful. (laughs) We're just three regular guys who like to have fun and are also passionate about growing young ministers. If you're a young minister or if you just are thinking about becoming a minister, this show is designed for you. Today we're talking about taking care of your physical body. Ministers are notorious for pushing their physical body to the back burner and the stereotype among us, specifically among Pentecostal preachers, is the overweight preacher. I even heard people say things, I'm hoping they were joking, like the anointing doesn't hit until 300 pounds they meant. And certainly we don't think that Any overweight person is lazy, and we understand that there's other reasons, but the issue is we need to take care of our bodies. Now, some people may disagree with that because they don't think the body matters. Before we go there, though, I did run across a statistic, guys. This was amazing. In 2002, and I feel like it's worse now, but back in 2002, Pulpit Pew Research Center did a study And they determined that 76% of ministers were obese or overweight. Wow. Oh, my goodness. And now the general population was 61%, which is terrible, I think. But 76% of preachers were overweight or obese. So I guess we need to start with, I mean, it doesn't even matter. What do you you think, Ryan? As far as... Does it matter? I mean, does it matter if our if we are physically healthy or we're just, you know what, the spirit is so important we don't have time for that. You just do whatever happens to your body and take care of the spirit. What do you think? You know, we talk about treating the house of God respectfully when we go to church. You know, we're always taught, you know, don't chew gum in church. You know, make sure things are cleaned up. We want the house of God to look presentable. We want the yard to be nicely manicured and, and the garden or the, you know, flowers, the trees, whatever's in front. We want it to look presentable. And yet we'll walk in and we don't do the same thing with ourselves when in reality we truly are the temples of God. And I'm not saying that if you're not working out an hour and a half every day or an hour every day and eating only vegetables and maybe a little bit of chicken, that you're wrong. But I just think that we apply these principles to the outward appearances of our the physical buildings that we have church in, but yet we won't apply these principles to ourselves as far as our what people see. Because the reality is, is that people judge what they see. It's bred in us from a, an early age, we just... We can't help but have these stereotypes. Well, God even said, he told Samuel, you know, Samuel went to um, anoint the prophet. And we like to focus on the part where God says, I look on the heart, not on the outward. 
But the first half of that statement is, man looks on the outward. And that's what we do. We judge people. And we know that we, we as Pentecostals, we believe that your outside, talking about dress, reflects your inside. And that if you are not dressing holy, it's because you have an inside holiness problem. You know, if we're going to teach that, what, how does that stop when it comes to our body? You know, and then if we're going to claim, and we all, the main argument people typically use against drugs and alcohol. Now, there's many arguments you can make, but they say that, well, our body is the temple of God. Why would I defile it with alcohol? Well, why would you defile with high fructose corn syrup, which is known to be as deadly in many cases? Or McDonald's. Or McDonald's. or And I'm certainly guilty. I don't eat perfect. Well, I think, you know, our bodies are created such that they can tolerate small amounts of garbage. Uh, It's just if that's all we're constantly consuming and that's all we're putting in ourselves, it's... Everything has a spiritual aspect, right? We talk about if you just eat spiritual junk food and you just take in the garbage of the world and you just keep watching those things on television, eating that that spiritual candy, you know, it's like it's going to lead you to this spiritual slob that, you know, doesn't get anything done and is heading in the wrong direction. And that applies to us in real life. Trust me, I've seen kids at the surgery center that have to have dental work at like age three and four. They eat nothing but candy, they drink juice, and their teeth are just rotted. It's terrible. And then they have to have surgery, be put under anesthesia. All these negative effects because they don't have self-control. And I'm reminded of a scripture, Paul says in uh, 1 Thessalonians 4.4, He says, each of you should learn to control his own body in a way that is holy and honorable. Are we being holy and honorable in how we're presenting ourselves and how we're managing our own body? Yeah, the Bible's pretty clear. Now, we've kind of turned a little more towards food, and that's one aspect. But the Bible's pretty clear that regardless of and this is a little outside of the health side of it, but just from a standpoint of excess, that particularly as ministers, but even as Christians, we are not to be given to excess in any way and are not supposed to be feeding our indulgent lusts on any level. That's sexual, that's any kind of over over indulging of desires is not godly and that certainly includes food paul even talks about he's talking about um sexual immorality but he even mentions he said you know the belly it wasn't made for food but f- food for the belly say, meaning that we don't have a stomach so that we can eat we eat to feed our stomach. What he's saying is we don't live to eat. We eat to live. In our culture so often, you know, as ministers, Nigel, you know more than any of us. If you're a visiting minister, every time after service, you're going to go get unhealthy food. Yeah, I, th- I think, I think uh, for me, 
you know, you, you you guys touched a little bit about uh, uh, being large or obese or whatever, um, and 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 some people, you know, they have some kind of illness or whatever that makes right. them obese. But my thing is that you got to be healthy. Healthy is more right. than trying to be skinny or, or thin or whatever. You know, definitely. What I mean? uh, because your health is a very huge part as a minister. Uh, someone had told me a long time ago that uh, you know it doesn't just take uh, your voice to preach. It, it's it's you got to be healthy mentally, physically, and spiritually. You right. know, those all yeah. all aspects take to really preach uh, with your heart, mind, and soul. And uh, so it's, it becomes very important for a man of God uh, or aspiring man of God to take care of their health because if you don't have good health, then you are good for nobody. You know, if you don't take care, you know, this is what Brother Songing always told me is if you don't take care of yourself, nobody else will take care of you. You know what I mean? That's true. So, so you've got to make sure that you discipline your own self rather than when time comes then the doctor has to put you in medication and say you have to cut back on on your weight and you've got high blood pressure diabetes and all of the other stuff that uh hypertension and you know all of that just because we haven't taken uh, in charge of our own body and uh, I, I heard a fantastic message this uh, Sunday from Dr. James Hughes. He talked about pleasures, and my goodness, it was it it, it just spoke to me. I I repented, you know. And he talked about the lobes that uh, in our brain that triggers the the aspect of pleasure and how food, you know, under you you train your mind to to react to stress, whatever. Whatever that you do during the time of stress, you just basically train your body or train your mind to do that over and over again. And many times uh, for us Pentecostals, we come out of drugs and alcohol or whatever. You know, our happy moment is food. You know, without food, there's no fellowship. That's how... That's how we roll, you know what I mean? <laughs> and uh, and so many times we can't stay away from it, and then it becomes a habit, and we become so unhealthy. And uh, I've, I've had to look in my own life. When I came uh, from Fiji, we, we always ate very good fresh vegetables and uh, fr- fruits and tropical fruits and stuff like that. I come to America, and man... You have to work hard to be able to eat right and to be to exercise to to make sure that you uh, do something to keep yourself, or else you'll be carried away uh, by the this river of uh, stuff that is present there. And you also just mentioned about you know whenever you're a visiting minister, you go out to eat. You're not picky. You know you gotta eat what you what you get and sometimes late night is not very good you know what i mean there's not too many places to pick from yeah and nigel you kind of brought it back to our original question does it matter um and you specifically referenced something that i think is important we are a three-part being yes we're soul body and spirit and so often and i think we might have 
touched on this in another episode. You know, physicians, doctors who their expertise is the body think everything is a physical problem. If you're depressed, they think, well, you obviously are not getting enough sleep or you're eating too much chocolate. That's your problem. The psychologist whose expertise is the emotions and the soul, everything is a mental problem or an emotional problem. And if, you know, if you if you have a broken leg, it's like, well, you probably are struggling with mommy issues or, you know, something like that. That's kind of a little sarcastic. But so often as, as ministers, we can kind of do the same thing. Right. Of if, if you have a physical problem, well, obviously you have sin in your life. And really, though, my point is that we can extend that to where we are saying that nothing matters except taking care of this, the spirit but it is true, the concepts that each of those um, experts have is true, that the spirit will affect the soul and the body. The soul will affect the spirit and the body. If you are not getting enough sleep and not, and you are eating a lot of improper food, you are more likely to struggle with emotional issues as well. We know, absolutely scientifically proven, if you have bitterness... For long periods of time, your chance of getting cancer is exponentially higher. Things in your spirit affect your body, and things in your body can affect your spirit. And emotionally, it's the same way. Just like if someone gets baptized, gets the Holy Ghost, and they have a broken leg, sometimes they get healed, but they don't always get healed. Well, same thing with emotions. Some people seem to think that, well, if you are having emotional problems... You shouldn't have to go to a psychologist. When you got the Holy Ghost, that should all have been fixed. Well, that's not true. We need to take care of each part of our body. I recently heard Ravi Zacharias. He's a man I really enjoy listening to. He was talking about um, when Paul asked Timothy, he said, bring my cloak. This was when he was in prison. He said, bring my cloak, bring my parchments or scrolls, and especially my parchments. And he said that, you know, Paul was saying, bring me my cloak, I need to take care of my body. Bring me my scrolls, I need my books to help my mind and my soul, and especially my parchments, my spiritual writings to help my spirit. So that was an interesting perspective there too. But it's so important that we take care of each part, because you're right, Nigel, if we don't take care of our body, Ultimately, we could die young, yeah, and that will kind of terminate your ministry, yeah, you know, and limit your effectiveness. But then, if you have no energy, you, it, you you're, it's all intertwined. We're one being. Uh, I think it's a very important aspect of uh, of who you are and uh, your long term, long term ministry. You know what I mean, and that's. Uh, and it's not just about ministry, but uh, as uh, as I grow older and uh, have a family, uh, you know, I didn't really care about myself, uh, I feel like, uh, yeah. when I was younger. It didn't really, you know, you have this uh, radical mindset that uh, it, doesn't matter what they, it doesn't matter what they do to me, I don't, care, I don't really care, you right. know what I mean? You just feel like you're free for all, for all and just keep moving, you know? Doesn't matter what you eat and all of that. But as I as I've got a family now, got a wife and got kids, you know, now I wake up in the mornings and I think to myself, you know what? Uh, 
I want to live longer and uh, see my not just kids grow, but I want to see my grandkids. You know, I want I want to enjoy seeing these things, not just the fulfillment in my ministry, but in my personal life. You know what I mean? And I think uh, it's something to think about, something to uh, reach out for. And uh, the harder you are on your body when you're young, the harder the body will be to you as you get older. You know what I mean? <laughs> That's a good point. And so if you don't take care of your body while you're young and, you you know, and just uh, in anything, not just eating but physical exercise and and fastings and all of that, uh, you, you just have to keep that balance because this, again, the ministry is not a hundred meter dash. It's a marathon. You know what I mean? You got to pace yourself and you've got to keep everything in balance, uh, until, until God calls you to the finish line. You know what I mean? And so, yeah, that's, that's one big reason that you need to take care of your physical body because Ryan said it, it is the temple of God. You, if you apply it spiritually, You've got to apply it physically as well. You know what I mean? You've got to apply it physically. And it's not just when I retire. I literally, I can tell the difference in if I'm getting good sleep, eating well, getting decent exercise, I have more energy to spend time with my family. I'm more alert when I first wake up and so I can get more done before the kids wake up. Mm-hmm. Be alert longer throughout the day with the kids. And so my family benefits so much if my physical body is being taken care of. And and one person who's really good on this is Dr. Hart. He's kind of somewhat in vogue with a lot of the Pentecostal ministers right now. Pastor Hodges really likes his stuff. And he's, he actually said, has an interesting fact. He said, you know, the third most stressful job in America is the president of the United States. The second most stressful job in the United States is a pastor. The only job that's more stressful is a pastor's wife. He feels like being a pastor is more stressful than being the president of the United States. He says, so it's very important that you take care of yourself. Because, and also, now this goes back a couple episodes ago. If your physical body is being taken care of, you're much less susceptible to burnout. Yeah. Right. That's true. But one of his big parts of it is getting enough rest. Mm-hmm. And he has something, I think I referenced this also in an earlier podcast, divert daily, take a little bit of time, and just think about something completely separate from your ministry and responsibilities. Um, withdraw weekly. Let's have a Sabbath and then abandon annually. So you're having getaway time. Right. And the other thing is rest, the importance of sleep. He talks about that. And it's interesting, he also talks about how closely lack of sleep is often linked with male depression. And male depression is interesting, he pointed out. I didn't know this. But he says that male depression is often, does not have symptoms of sadness or even like suicidal thoughts, like we typically associate with depression, but often it's just lack of energy, lack of motivation, irritability. And that's a big one. Mm -hmm. And he says, but we never label that as depression. And he said, most of the time when it's at that level, 
it's because we're not getting enough rest. Well, your emotional being is uh, connected to your physical, you know what I mean? And if you're not getting sleep, then you're more emotional. And what what do they say? There's a saying that goes, when emotions are high, reasoning is low. And that's why that's you true. become snappy. And, and many times you snap at your family because you're so exhausted emotionally and physically, you know. And then they respond, yeah. which then stresses you out, uh-huh. which then you get less rest, which you get more irritable. And so you really, you got to take care of it. And I know that's true for me. I've noticed times where I'm like, why am I being such a jerk? Yeah. <laughs> you know, I, it's, I don't want to be, oh yeah, I haven't been getting enough sleep Yeah, um, right. because I've been editing the podcast. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> <laughs> I was just about to say, just man, kidding. I'm talking about enough sleep and... Uh, I don't know. I probably get three to four hours of sleep sometimes because it's just it's just hard. You know what I mean? It's got so much. I need more more time in the day to get my stuff done. So I don't remember if I've mentioned it before, but guess how many hours of sleep he says. Now he says pillow time. So like if you wake up in the middle of the night, that's okay. But lay down, head on the pillow to head off the pillow. How many hours do you think he says that we need? Eight hours. Eight. Seven? Nine hours. Well, he lives in La La Land with no kids. <laughs> That's exactly what I said. When my pastor told me that, I just had the most blank stare. I'm like, do you realize, okay, so I have to wake up. I mean, if I'm like, I wake up and pretty much already have coffee made and, and everything the night before and food ready, I wake up at 5.30 to go to work. Yeah. If I want to have devotion, I got to wake up at four thirty. This must be. I'm a assuming my guy pastor wrote this. No, I'm just kidding. Yeah, <laughs> I'm assuming my pastor wants me to have devotions in the morning, so we'll go with that. So four thirty. You realize for me to get nine hours of sleep, four thirty. We're talking seven. What seven thirty? Seven thirty, right? Seven thirty at night. I have to put my head down on my. What? I don't even get home from class some nights. Man, but wow. maybe oh, someday. You're like, all right, brother, how'd you got in church early? <laughs> yeah. Oh, well, that's another issue. Um, <laughs> I remember brother, a man named Brother Tony Bailey, really great man of God that really his ministry focuses on prayer. And he wrote a book called uh, The Nautical Hour about early morning prayer. And he talks about how our Pentecostal culture is so late night oriented mm-hmm. that it hinders revival because we don't pray early in the morning. I was thinking, I was like, yeah, and it also hinders health because we stay up late Not because late, church, yeah. you know, yeah. and I don't really know how we could change that culture because it's so ingrained. Well, I mean, it's just, it, I think it's based off of just working and then having some time and then having church. I think more churches, and I don't want to go down this rabbit trail right now, but you know, more churches are having either one service earlier in the day or one service kind of like mid-afternoon on a Sunday. You know, the thing about it is, is we uh, we don't have revival like like we used to have revival. Yeah, that's what someone said. There's one event guy that was evangelist, a pastor that was an evangelist a while back. He said, when we when I say we had revival. We used to preach a whole week or two weeks, you know what I mean, every day. I mean, every day service. And now when somebody says, uh, an evangelist says, I have, I'm have, i in a revival, 
it's Wednesday nights and Sunday nights. You know what I mean? <laughs> or sun, sun, Wednesdays and maybe Sundays. a Friday night or something, or, or a Friday night as well. He said that revival is no longer the way that we thought. We, we used to stay two, three weeks at a place and, and have revival. And that was, imagine that, preaching every single night. <laughs> it's just like, wow. That is one thing I've been concerned about, and this is a rabbit trail. We won't go far down. But that as a whole, our Christianity is not this, our entire life as it used to be, even a couple generations ago. It used to be that your friends were your church. Your family was your church. Your, and now it's like it's just a subset that I see you guys once a, or twice a week. And you guys are cool people. I like you. But I have my other life. Right. You know, and I don't know that that's a good thing. I yeah, think. that's what I, I struggled with when I first came to America. That I struggled with quite a bit. Because back home in the mission fields, that was the life. That was the lifestyle. My friends, my everything was rotated around church. It was like more, you know, just the Levites, just like the Levites. Every day their their work was surrounded by by the kingdom of God. And that's what it was for us. We went to work and work and school and all of that. You know, those were the subsets, you know what I mean, that you did outside of the family of God. But then... We had pretty much, you you were at church doing something, Sunday school, you were youth and all of that. So pretty much my daily mindset, my I, was, I looked forward to being at church around the people of God almost every other day. And, and I come to America and, and church is uh, Wednesdays and Sundays, you know what I mean? And that's when you see the people of God and... And hang out with them, and that's it. It's there's no nothing outside. You know what I mean? And you you gotta get used to it. Otherwise, it's just like what is going on. <laughs> but I guess we've gone down that rabbit trail long enough. We can hopefully find an expert on how to create community in your church and have them on. We can interview them because <laughs> um, I don't have the answer. We talked about sleep a little bit. We talked about food. Let's talk a little more specific. What do you when you guys are doing good and you're trying to watch what you eat? What kind of guidelines do you follow? Like, what's your if you could control your diet a hundred percent? What kind of diet would you follow? My wife puts me on a no carb diet, <laughs> and after three days, I I'm about to destroy everybody in the house. <laughs> <laughs> So that doesn't sound like a good diet, then. <laughs> okay, well, Papa's hangry. Just, it, Papa's <laughs> hangry. <laughs> Throw him some bread. Yeah, the, with, well, sugar. I believe sugar is the the key. That when when we try to go on a diet, that uh, uh, after the third day, if you can make it through the third day, uh, the fourth, fifth day, then it just like you suddenly feel this burst of energy. You know what I mean? You don't realize how much carbs affect you, and 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 sugar in particular affects you. It's just like a drug. You know what I mean? It is a drug, and uh, and you're so. Uh, so hooked to it that you don't even realize it and when we go through a cleansing and that's what we you know cut off carbs and stuff like that uh man uh it's it's amazing 
It's amazing what uh, transpires, and you suddenly feel so much energy after the third day, and you just uh, you feel so good. Yeah, I've run across um, this, I guess, diet uh, that I really like. It's it's kind of a lot of work. It's not super expensive, but it's a it's no. And I don't do no, I do low, but they promote no grain, no sugar. So I do low grain, low sugar. I'm never going to cut rice out. I love rice way too much. (laughs) Um, So basically I'll do no grain except for rice and low sugar. And you're right, Nigel, like my energy is so high. I'm much, my, it's so amazing how much more mentally clear I am. My sleep is better. I can get less sleep and wake up more rested. Right. I um I don't get hungry. There right. there were times when I was I'd done it for I don't know a period where I'd kind of acclimated and I I had eaten kind of like a early dinner and I woke up and just forgot to eat breakfast. I was like, "Oh yeah, it's lunchtime." And I wasn't hungry. You know, it's it's amazing. And sugar actually is interesting. Um, when it comes to food, I kind of am a over, uh, researcher, I guess, but everything they used to think that, um, fat did to you, Uh they actually now know that sugar does to you. So like heart disease, most of that, the culprit is sugar. Now there are bad fats, of course, but as long as you're, as you're eating fairly natural things, even butter is good for you if it's like grass-fed, all that. I know, I was so happy when I heard that. I was like, yes, butter. So, yeah, I ch- we the best, for me, diet that I found is low sugar, low grain, high fat. So, like, a lot of avocado, a lot of um, nuts, butter, um, things like that, and coconut oil, things like that really helped me. The, the, when I'm eating a lot of fats, my energy is a lot more stable, which of course you, Ryan, you probably would know doing triathlons and running, um, half marathons and, and such that when you're burning fat, you're, you're more steady mm-hmm. when you're burning sugars, you're more, you know, up and up down and, down, and, yeah. and your crashes. Are, are, yeah. Um, Ryan, what about you? What's your kind of, uh, diet my, is? I'm actually doing a. I was I saw a uh, naturopathic physician a while back just to kind of do a uh, study. Um, they do a, a blood test that tests the sensitivity to like a hundred different types of foods, and uh, it was interesting because I was basically off the charts with eggs, uh, which was really depressing. Yeah, um, wheat was pretty high. Gluten basically wasn't wasn't as high as eggs, but it was pretty high. Also, certain dairy products were pretty high. So, I wish I could say I've been uh, super strict, but I he wanted me to do an elimination diet. So basically, no dairy as, as much little as possible. No wheat or gluten, uh, and then no eggs. Now, we have been doing what's called a paleo diet, um, and I know it's kind of 
against the grain, literally, but uh, sacrilegious <laughs> because they base it off of the Paleolithic era, era of if the world really was millions of years old, you know, whatever. Right. It's neither here nor there. The The concept of the, the, the idea of it is that you cut out pretty much all grains with the exception of sweet potatoes and now they're doing potatoes uh no sugar or processed stuff uh high meats uh all the nut like nuts and nut flours that you want to use so we'd we'd already been doing this off and on for janine and then uh for myself so my wife has gotten really creative with making things taste like making things that are good for you taste like things that are bad for you i guess yeah uh and so she's gotten really creative with that and that's helped a lot because there's a lot of information on that stuff out there now basically it just takes a little bit of time and a little bit of effort a little bit of planning um and trying your best to stay away from restaurants because restaurants are my achilles heel man and really from where most of us eat if we will kind of follow the if if a hundred years ago you couldn't buy it i won't eat it plan right you're gonna see dramatic improvements so you're eating natural food and not prepackaged tv dinners and just junk well the big thing you know the the way our medical society is is set up and i'm I hate to say, you know, I'm a nurse, so (laughs) I'm kind of entrenched in all of it. But the one thing that bothers me is that, and again, uh, you know, this has a spiritual aspect to it, is that people don't want to do anything to fix or correct what's wrong with them. In other words, I have diabetes, or I'm extremely overweight, or I have these other issues uh how can you help me get rid of this so that i have to do the least amount of things possible now don't get me wrong yeah. i know there are some things you know and and medicines come a long way and i'm i i feel like the lord has allowed us to get to this place and we should take advantage of that the um pharmaceutical companies really exploit and control a lot of the information that that is out there to the public uh and it's it's really it bothers me because you know money makes the world go round and in doctors you know whatever but they just they push pills and yeah they say all right you have high blood pressure okay uh well you really shouldn't eat high you know sodium foods but uh, you're probably not going to change, so let's just give you this blood pressure medication. Yeah. <laughs> and, oh, oh, your blood pressure is still high. So, well, we'll give you a different kind of blood pressure medication. Oh, you have high cholesterol, too. Yeah, let's give you some cholesterol medication. Oh, your blood sugar is getting at a little high. We probably should. So they just throw in all these pills at everything, and the person is just continuing to do what's got them into this place. Yeah. Into this place. And. A lot of times it's because they're on a low-fat diet, but they didn't know that the sugar that was in everything that makes it low-fat is <laughs> potentially doing more harm than good. Right. Well, not potentially. Yeah. It is doing more harm than it is good. Yeah, because um, yeah, there's two things that give it flavor, fat, fat and, sugar. and sugar. That's what makes it taste good. Right, exactly. So anytime you see anything low-fat, 
It means just they took more the flavor sugar. out, so they have to put something in it to make it taste good. Right. And so I avoid low-fat foods <laughs> completely. I, I hate low-fat milk. I want whole milk, you know, because if you're taking the fat out, you have to put something else in it. Probably not just even normal sugar. You're putting in some kind of chemical to make it taste good, which is junk for your body. It's actually interesting, something you mentioned, um, Ryan, talking about, I think in the very beginning you said something about it, but I was reading, I can't remember who now, a while ago this doctor used to be a, a normal oncologist, you know, you have cancer, get your radiation, get your your uh, chemotherapy, and then he, one time he had a patient who came in and and was about to die, and he had said, well, there's no more hope for you, and she said, you know, well, I heard about this nutritionist, can I try this? And he's like, do whatever you want, I can't do anything for you. And she was like in, you know, last stages, I think he said she had a month to live. Well, she went to this doctor, and he basically cut out all sugar, started her on a very high vegetable um, diet, basically, and and I'm not going to go into specifics, but, and she recovered, and he was shocked, so he started doing more research. And he came to the conclusion, now he was not a Christian, it's funny how completely contradictory one of his statements was, but he said, it's amazing because a human body is designed, use the word designed, is designed to heal itself if we just put the right things in it and stop putting the, right, the wrong things in it. Mm-hmm. And then he said, isn't it amazing what evolution did? I'm like, wait, you just said designed. <laughs> evolution doesn't design stuff, but anyways... Other than that, and it, but it's it's interesting because we weren't designed to die. God made us to live forever, and He talked about too how our bodies are designed to heal themselves, and it will heal itself if it's given the right materials. Right, and you know, sugar gunks that system up. Especially, one guy was saying, I um. I think it was Dr. Tim Noakes. He said, you know, we eat in our culture, especially in America, eat so much sugar that our our body is so gunked up with sugar that a lot of us can't even process regular carbohydrates that normally would be healthy for us because our system is just so gunked up and gummed up with sugar. But I'm not going to get off on too much. On, yeah, I mean, on it's, it's hard nutrition. to find anything that doesn't have sugar. But I think a, an avenue we, could, we should go down is how to maintain these things when you're entrenched in ministry because it's easy to let these things get out of control and we kind of do it to ourselves you know Nigel you talked about it what do we do with youth we have Eat the parties parties and we order pizza and then we order more pizza or we go out to eat somewhere like this Sunday we went out to Taco Bell yeah that's not even food. No. In fact, fun fact. Here's a fun fact for you. Well, actually, this was Jonathan Duvall told me, said this to me for the first time, and I about died because it was so true. He said, I have yet to see one person leave Taco Bell with a smile on their face. They go in laughing and, and hee-hawing and all kinds of stuff, but <laughs> when they leave that place, ain't a one of them got a smile on their face because they know. That's funny. That what they just consumed was not food. Then you're, you know, you're slurping it down with soda. It's just it Taco Bell. Don't oh, start man. me on soda. I won't. We're not gonna. We won't do that. Hey man, but if they hear this. They might come back and sue you. 
You know, the, oh, the amazing Lord. thing about our bodies, the way God created us, is that we can take that in small amounts, especially while we're young. You know, when we're younger, we can obviously tolerate less sleep. That's why it's good to have children when you're young or 33. But when we were at Bible college, it, it wasn't feasible for us to spend an hour at the gym every day or, or, or even more than that. Or, But we still made time to go... What you know, we could go for runs, or I really want to do triathlon, and so I just kind of paced myself and and uh, broke it up so that it wasn't consuming. It wasn't all that I thought about, and it wasn't consuming me, but it was important enough to where I made time to do it because I knew that I needed that balance, and we need that outlet. Um, and you know the disciples and 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 the biblical time and all that they could get away with that because they didn't have they weren't consuming high calorie high sodium things that were created in a lab they ate natural food that was they ate fish they ate bread drank grape juice yeah and they walked everywhere so you know these are the the times that we live in and and the reality is is that if we want to maintain a healthy healthy body we have to adapt and and do what's necessary necessary to 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 stay healthy you know Ryan i think for me the key to eating right is exercising so you reference you do um triathlons i want to do a triathlon someday but i have to learn to swim before i can do that <laughs> um so I run, I, I like doing half marathons, and when I'm training for a half marathon, eating right is not hard, because I know how I'm going to feel on a run if I don't eat right. It doesn't become a chore, because eating becomes part of the whole process of working out and training my body and all that. It's actually interesting when I started doing more research on nutrition and stuff and started really paying attention to it, I read somewhere and they were talking about pay attention to how food makes you feel, how different foods make you feel and learn to feel your food. They talked about that was one of the great problems of America is that we don't feel our food. And they talked about, you know, feel the individual items you're eating. And so I kind of started paying attention. I got to the point I literally could feel specific foods when I was running. Like I'd be running and I'd be like, oh, there's the first slice of pizza. And I'd be running, and, you know, I'd, like, burn through that. And I'm like, oh, there's a second slice. Okay, I got one more. You know, and I could feel specific slices of pizza, you know, when I was really paying attention to my nutrition. But when, I, when I'm not running, not doing exercise, it's very difficult for me to be consistent with eating well. And I think, too, when you are exercising, you have a bigger window what your body can deal with as far as junk that you eat. Yeah. I mean, it, 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 if you're not, if you're not exercising, if that's just not feasible for your schedule, if you're just constantly going, 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 which that happens. I mean, I'm sure, uh, Nigel with your, with your schedule, the way you are. And that is, that is difficult to, to find a, a schedule to exercise. And whenever I am home, that's what we we go for a brisk walk uh, you know in the afternoons and mm-hmm. uh, 
if I have to do some stretches and stuff like that. But uh, to try and hit a gym or something like that, that's a little, you know, little difficult. Yeah, and I don't think you need to. I mean, the walking and the doing that family stuff. But what I was going to say was that because of that, diet is even more important. And that's what we try to do. We when we are home, we do try to. Uh, we hardly ever go out to eat. You know, we cook uh, three times, three times a day. My wife will make in the morning, you know, breakfast, and then they eat during the lunch. And in the evening, we have a home cooked meal, and it's try to be as balanced. And and she is getting more uh, conscious of. Of what we eat and how we eat, and uh, uh, because because it's just we need to keep ourselves uh, where it's just not about the taste in the mouth, but uh, our health. And Nigel, you kind of brought up a point that I really like. I think the best exercise is not where you're exercising to exercise. You're doing something else that has exercise built into it. For instance, taking family walks. It's very difficult for me to take time away from my family to say, I'm going to go exercise. But family walks allow me to have family time, which I I loved as a kid growing up having family walks. Yeah. So that's a great first step for someone who is more sedentary. Start having every night take a 30-minute family walk. You know, that's a great first step. Ryan, what's your normal? What kind of exercise do you do? I've been trying CrossFit for a while now. Uh, the one thing I like about it is that the workouts are only an hour. Typic- I mean, if you want to go longer, they'll go longer. But the, the the way it's set up is it's set up to specifically be an hour. Uh, it's a little harder right now because I go to work at 6 a.m. And then I get off at 4.30. Uh, and it's difficult for me to go to a class but I'm going to be starting work at 8 a.m. here pretty soon. So it works out for me to do that. And right now I just need that extra motivation and accountability because they're smaller groups. One thing I like about it is that it's it's really built to help you be a better, like as far as physicality goes, how you were, how we were created to be. And that is by doing things with your body that are normal everyday things but just adding extra weight to it. And obviously it's gotten crazy, but I do things that I've never done in all the years that I've done weightlifting uh, in sports and different things like that. And it's nice because, you know, the one thing I think about, I look at my, one side of my family is very unhealthy, heart disease, diabetes, bodily issues, just all kinds of problems. And I have a two and a half year old son. I have a, a one year old son, and we have one child on the way. And I'm like, man, I gotta do something because wait, I want to still wait. be functioning. What? what? Did we just have a podcast announcement? <laughs> what? What? <laughs> Congratulations, Ryan! Amen. Congratulations. <laughs> Thanks, you guys. Yeah, Do it's, I need uh, to edit that been, out or are we been, good? You've been hiding it, huh? I thought that we talked about this already. No, we, we didn't. We did, but I don't we, think it was on the podcast. Oh, no. we didn't mention on the podcast. 
I can edit out if you want me to. Just let me know. Okay. Well, uh, let me ask Janine and then we'll... Uh, okay. And I'll let you know. Yeah, um, that's what's like, uh, okay. <laughs> I thought that when we mentioned that, I thought we were actually recording. So uh, that's okay. Well, I'll ask Janine. I don't think she'll have a problem with it, but okay. it, was, it was really funny. So we were at our... I've been doing this a lot recently. Uh, we had our life group uh, last Thursday. I was talking about faith building and whatnot. And, um, you know, I talked about how Silas, all the struggles we went through with him. And then there was the miscarriage. And then we had uh, Asher. And I said, you know, it's like God just, he constantly reminds me when my faith gets low. And then, and I said, and now, you know, now that we have the third one on the way, God just keeps reminding me. And, and it was funny because Janine was sitting next to me. And I think there's like, we have like eight people in our life group. I look over and Janine's just like, has this like, <laughs> like weird look, smile, grin on her face, no, like she's it. embarrassed, and and everyone's like, "What?" I totally <laughs> thought that we had told them, and oh man, and then I did it again, the same exact way with somebody else. I don't remember what I was doing, but so, anyways, because of that, I I really wanted to kind of, and I and I don't have time to dedicate uh stuff to triathlon right now uh to, to training for a triathlon uh, that does take a little more time just because as the miles ramp up it just it literally takes more time and with this way i can literally well not literally but figuratively kill myself for about 50 minutes and that's how it feels like whenever i go do it and i just do that yeah three... please don't literally kill yourself for yeah. 50 minutes yeah it's yeah it's well when i leave there sometimes it feels like it um yeah and i do that 3 or 4 times a week and you know what that's only about 3 you know 3 to 4 hours um and then we still try to do our walks so i try to make sure it doesn't inter- interrupt our family life and it doesn't take away from but i just know that I'm not as with it. I'm not as patient. Yeah. I'm not. I feel like I'm not as good as I could be when I don't do that. And then I'm like feeling guilty. I'm feeling yep. being lazy because I know that there's some time. I just have to try to make it. Uh, so I think it just makes me an all around better person, husband, minister, uh, coworker. Yeah, I've definitely found when I'm running, I'm in a much better mood. I'm much less irritable. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm thinking clearer. I have my best thoughts when I'm running. And sometimes I'll actually, you know, like stop running and take notes on my phone. It's very cathartic, that's for sure. It is. So if you're listening to this and you're thinking, oh, that's nice. I wish I could run, but I could never do it. You can. Trust me. It's. It, you you just don't think that you got to go run a half marathon or or be a superhero like Ryan and do this CrossFit crazy <laughs> and do triathlons. No, actually, and I'll I'll recommend this. There's a program and you can Google it. It's I'm pretty sure you can find it for free. It's called Couch to 5K, mm-hmm. and they will literally take you if you are a couch potato, meaning you do zero running. Yeah, you cannot run. You they'll take you to running a 5K, which is three miles. You can run three miles. I guarantee you. Actually, you could probably do it today without dropping dead. You may not believe me, but if if a bear was chasing you, you could probably run three miles today if you put your mind to it. But and it's very gradual. And it if you'll do it, it will it will really be a huge benefit. Oh yeah. And the confidence it will give you, 
And then for me, I love running and just listening to God. Because what happens is that when I'm running, I'll start talking to God, but then I'll quit talking and I listen. And it's just, it's so, you said it, right? It's cathartic. Yeah. And, you know, and if, if running isn't something that you enjoy, then find something that you enjoy. Um, Definitely. You know, if hiking, you know, if you live in a wilderness area or you're, there's a, a, a small mountain clear or some hills nearby, uh, some place you can get to where you can get your heart rate going. Uh, that's, uh, extremely peaceful. Um, and also, you know, you get your heart pumping, but you know, maybe it's, uh, I don't know. Bocce ball. Kickboxing. Okay. Maybe not. Or yeah, I don't know about bocce ball. Um, (laughs) Maybe you like to play racquetball, or uh, that's yeah. a big thing. I know Brother Hodges. Uh, yeah, he loves playing racquetball. Yeah, find find something, make it, make it fun. Exercise shouldn't be another chore that you add to your list. Right, make it something you enjoy. And if you don't have something you enjoy right now, find something. You know, go take a few lessons, take some tennis lessons, maybe just a couple. You know, I think the important thing for young ministers right now is to realize that you are, by the grace of God gonna grow old and yeah we want your ministry to last as long as possible and the one thing that we don't want to see is to see that ministry fall short because you just because you just weren't willing to take care of yourself physically Uh, god made us able he created these bodies to be self-sustaining if we will manage them properly um and there's an infinite amount of information online. Uh, I'm rambling. I apologize. Speaking of tired, uh, I have not been scared much sleep, so <laughs> I'm rambling. Speaking of sleep. Oh, man, my youngest, he's been, he, this last couple of nights, he's just been waking up in the middle of the night crying oh. and just. Yeah. I'm I've just, worked like seven straight uh, Saturdays. Why you got to one up me, man? Wow. Just let me bask. I'm not trying to one up me you. Bask. I'm I was going to say but my kid hasn't been waking up in the middle of the night. Actually, he did last night. And I was so confused cuz like he was screaming apparently. And I met I went and got him, brought him into our bed. And then when I was waking up, or actually it was like a couple hours before work, I woke up randomly and she was like, "Oh, when you wake up to go to bed, can you put Judah back in his crib?" And I was like, why isn't he in his crib? And then I realized he's laying right next to me. Like I had no idea. <laughs> and I think it really up, not upsets, but irritates the meta that it, like, I don't wake up. Oh, I wish I could do that. I don't wake up, man. I don't even know my, I don't even, I haven't even realized my kid's seven months old. <laughs> oh, speaking of, yeah, I don't know why this just hit me. So last time we, re- we recorded, as we were finishing recording, I had a very interesting occurrence. I almost shot a police officer. Uh-oh. Um, yeah, a crazy story. So you guys had hung up, and I was recording the outros. Amede comes and knocks on the door. She's like, Tim, can you come? And I was like, yeah, I was just finishing up. What's, what's going on? And she's like, somebody's banging on our door and shining a light in our window. Uh-oh. What? I was like, What? So, I didn't really wait around to ask info. I reach over under my bed, 
get my shotgun, check it. Get, I always keep it loaded. I don't keep one in the chamber. Keep it loaded. So I chamber one, walk out to the door, set the shotgun right beside the door, open the door. Ended up it was a police officer. But I'm like, it was 1130 at night. How are you going to go banging on people's doors? Oh, man. Why was, was he funny, banging like, on the door? Well, so our next-door neighbor apparently called and said that somebody was banging on her door and kicking her door and shining lights in her window. And, yeah, um, it was the cop. And so that that's the funny, <laughs> the funny thing. He was like, so have you heard anybody like banging on, on doors or anything? I was like, nobody but you guys. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> he laughed. And then he's like, or shining lights window. I was like, again, nobody but you guys. Wow. Um, so actually, that's funny too. So she, um, but I was like, what if I wasn't, yeah. Like rational. And I actually was holding the gun when I opened the door. Uh oh, man. That would have been. Because then you would have drawn your gun and one of us would have got shot. Yeah. And if I'm already holding the shotgun, you would have got shot. I would have gone to jail. I probably would have died because you would have shot me too. Oh, you know, yeah. like, you That's can't crazy. go banging on somebody's door without identifying yourself. Right. But anyway, so our next door neighbor apparently. Um, has told the management, the apartment management, that this guy that from our church that used to live in the apartments, he doesn't anymore, but that he has powers. And <laughs> so the light that he was shining in her apartment supposedly wasn't like a flashlight, but it was his body. And <laughs> that he can, with through locked doors, that he has come in her house and then so she gets scared and runs and gets under the blankets and uh, she sees him glowing but then like he just goes maybe we can interview her for one of the podcast episodes I was like <laughs> get her out <laughs> so yeah oh, oh man okay we have definitely trailed off here I think it's I think it's time to do no, the no yeah this isn't podcast stuff I don't even remember what we were talking about yeah <laughs> but, I think I think uh, cool. Ryan's Ryan's you know Rounding up was a good place to kind of yeah. go down that yeah. closing. So I guess kind of a one part two is how how would you know if you're out of shape? I mean, like if you're in a place where you really need to take this seriously, um, how would you know? Well, it's funny you would ask that, Tim, because I have a couple ways people could tell. How do you know when you're out of shape? You know you're in trouble when your knees buckle. And your belt won't. Oh, well, or you know you're in trouble when you see your friends running and, man, you just hope they twist an ankle. And then lastly, you know you're in trouble when you breathe harder walking up a set of stairs than you do when you hold your sweetheart's hand. Oh, it's not sweet. That's funny. Forgive me for my terrible... So anyways, as I said in the beginning of this show, we like to have fun. Um, Just so you know, listening, I've started doing the show notes a little bit different. Instead of doing an outline of the episode, I'm kind of making it more like a blog post. So maybe check that out. Let me know if you like it the old way better or the new way, or if you have another idea completely. Love to hear that. We would love to get your suggestions for people to have on the show and your topic requests. Um, speaking of interviews, we have a great interview lined up for next week. We're going to be interviewing Brandon Mokas. He's a young evangelist. He's being used mightily and seeing people he- healed and filled with the Holy Ghost. You're definitely going to want to catch that next week. 
You can find us on Facebook at facebook.com, Behind the Pulpit Podcast, or you can email us at contact at behindthepulpitpodcast.com. And until next episode, remember, you matter to the kingdom of God. Behind the Pulpit Podcast.